Xtalks connects professionals in the life science, medical device, and food industries with useful content like webinars, job openings, articles, and virtual meetings to help you succeed in your career. This life science focused podcast brings together some of our editorial staff to share insights into the latest B2B industry news to keep you up to date. This week on the show, we are discussing a nasal flu vaccine's FDA consideration for self-administration and a new RSV vaccine ad featuring a de-aged Wayne Gretzky. And today's episode is sponsored by Gilson. More from them later. Enjoy the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Xtalks Life Science Podcast. I'm Aisha Rashid, Senior Life Science Journalist at Xtalks.com, and this week I'm joined by Sydney Perlmutter and Vera Kovacevic. Thank you for coming today. I'm going to start us off with a story about the FDA considering a self-administrated version of a flu vaccine. And this is not just any kind of a flu vaccine. It is a nasal flu vaccine. So uh, the FDA has accepted AstraZeneca's supplemental BLA for a self-administered option of its nasal influenza vaccine, Flumist Quadrivalent. So Flumist has actually been in the market since 2003, and it's the only intranasal spray vaccine option against flu. Currently, only healthcare practitioners are authorized to administer flu mist. So if the FDA gives the nod for this self-administration option, this means that people 2 to 49 years of age could be self-administered flu mist by people uh, between the ages of 18 and 49. Adults can also administer the vaccine to children between the ages of 2 and 17. And again, it, it, this is if the approval goes through. So... The FDA's decision on AstraZeneca's um, application for this self-administered option of flu mist is anticipated in the first quarter of next year. So if the application is accepted, flu mist could be available for self-administration during the 2024 to 2025 flu season next year. And that would make it the first and only self-administered flu vaccine um, in the market. So the needle-free live attenuated vaccine is sprayed directly into the nose and previous studies have shown that, um, it has comparable effectiveness and acceptable safety, uh, to other flu vaccines. In the U S it's estimated that on average, 8% of the population gets sick each season from the influenza virus that causes flu, of course, and flu can cause serious complications in certain groups uh, of people, including young children, adults 65 years of age and older, and individuals with certain health conditions. And children 5 to 17 years of age represent 39% of acute respiratory infection medical visits, even though they only make up about 22% of the U.S. population. And this is according to AstraZeneca in a press release um, that was announcing the supplemental uh, biologics uh, license application for flu mist. And influenza has long-reaching impacts, so it impacts work and school and um, according to statistics, 47% of missed uh, school days are due to flu and working caregivers miss one to two days of work to care for household members as well. 
So again, it has um, substantial impacts every flu season. And so it is important to protect yourself against uh, flu. Now, in terms of AstraZeneca's flu mist and its application for a self-administered option, uh, its application is, ba is backed by a usability study, which confirms that individuals over 18 years of age could self-administer or administer flu mist to eligible patients uh, when given instructions for use without any additional guidance. Now, in terms of the general flu vaccine, uh, in terms of general flu vaccination, the CDC recommends that individuals six months of age and older get a seasonal flu vaccine every year. However, in reality, less than half of people in the U.S. get a flu vaccine. And in during the 2021 to 2022 season, the CDC estimates that 50 to 74 percent of people in the U.S. got vaccinated against flu. Now, of course, a self-administered option um, of flu mist would offer great convenience and flexibility to people, which um, the idea is that it would help promote its usage. And um, so because it would be more accessible, um, the uptake of the flu vaccine, it's anticipated to increase. And so... Um, also, if you think about it, think about it, a lot of people actually have needle phobia. So it's estimated that about 10 to 15% uh, of people may be needle phobic and hesitant to get vaccines. And so uh, really trying to find ways to increase access through a needle free version, um, again, could help boost uptake. So a lot of experts were talking about this, including, uh, Dr. Ashish Jha, who is the, uh, uh, dean of the Brown School of Public Health and the former White House COVID-19 response coordinator. Um, he t was saying that a self-administered flu vaccine option, again, could be even more accessible and uh, if it were available to buy on pharmacy shelves uh, and things like that. Now, uh, yeah, so despite being on the market for 20 years, um, I think AstraZeneca really saw an opportunity here to help increase uptake of its vaccine uh, amid actually declining flu vaccinations, especially during the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, ironically enough. But um, I think uh, companies and healthcare practitioners, I think everyone, there's a push to really I bring to light the importance of flu vaccination and I think just offering another option for something that already is pretty accessible. I mean, having a nasal spray flu vaccine, I think that's definitely accessible in itself. But now that, you know, uh, for the potential for people to self-administer would, um, again, just make things a lot more accessible. Uh, and uh, the idea is that AstraZeneca hopes that the ease and convenience of a self-administered flu mist could attract new users to help increase overall uptake of the vaccine. Uh, if approved, flu mist will, would be available through an online pharmacy request system, and the vaccine would be delivered directly to people's homes in temperature-controlled packages. So sales of flu mist have been kind of up and down for the past couple of years for AstraZeneca. In 2015, sales hit $288 million. Um, and for some reason, I couldn't really find out what exactly happened. But in 2016, the CDC actually recommended against using flu mist. So I've been trying to dig into exactly what happened there. But 
And then, uh, but that was reversed. And um, then there were some manufacturing hiccups, and then sales hit uh, 220, 295 million in 2020, but then fell to 175 million last year. So again, I think flu vaccinations have been on the decline, as I mentioned, uh, overall. And uh, in light of that, I think introducing new options, especially a self-administration option, um, would definitely be beneficial here. So just wanted to get your thoughts on flu mist. And have you ever heard about it, um, this nasal flu vaccine? Because actually I hadn't. No, I never heard of a nasal flu vaccine. I actually think it's quite a great idea. And um, yeah, there's several benefits, of course, like no needles. They can ship it directly to your home. Um, so it seems very convenient. I, I never knew that there was a, like a nose, mm-hmm. nose spray vaccine, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, I know they just submitted to the FDA for consideration, but I would like to see it. I think it'd be really interesting, like if they have data comparing the efficacy of like the nasal vaccine versus like an injected one, maybe by another uh, sponsor. Um, I just do think be- they have have that data. Um, okay. Yeah, just because I think. Yeah. Um, I myself am wondering personally, is it as effective? Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of people, especially after COVID, right? They they like to like compare vaccine like efficacies. So I think that data would be great if they can provide that. Um, I also personally myself would wonder if I administered it properly. <laughs> Did I breathe it in? Did I put it sprayed in the nose the right way? Um, I think there are some, like, you know, people may wonder, um, like, if they just administered it the right way. Because I think a lots of drugs that are self-administered, that are not a pill, um, there could be problems. Mm-hmm. Um, well, the they did done. conduct a usability study to assess that very concern. Okay. And um, so the study found that um, the efficacy was comparable to if a healthcare pr- practitioner like um, yeah. typically does administer this okay. flu mist. So uh, they did find that it was comparable. And I think the instructions were clear enough um, so okay. that, yeah, there wasn't that's a good. concern there. So that, that's good to know. And I'm just looking up the efficacy um, for the 2022, well, 2023 season. So flu mist was 54% effective in preventing influenza A in people less than 65 years of age and 71% effective in children. Um, so that's actually average for a flu vaccine. So the average efficacy in, every, in any given season um, for a flu vaccine is about 60%. So it's not as okay. great actually as the COVID vaccines that we've seen, mm-hmm. like you know, 90% plus efficacies. So I think it's pretty average, and it, it is comparable to um, flu shots administered via from other companies administered via needles. So I, I'm surprised we don't hear more about this. And then I'm actually I was just looking up again. It was discontinued for a bit, as I mentioned, in 2016 by the CDC. Wait, was it 2015 or 2016? Did I say? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's because um, I think they found that it was ineffective in certain age groups. So it might, oh. so they had to 
look at that. And then again, in any given year, like the flu shot is basically, um, so this is a quadrivalent vaccine, the flu mist. So mm-hmm. every year working in conjunction with the WHO and of course, um, uh, scientists and in working in the field, they look at what the trending, I guess, or mm-hmm. the dominant strains of flu are going to be that year. So they they make a prediction, and then so that vaccine for that year is um, targets four different strains of flu. Um, and the hope is that they get it right. So in some years they might not get it completely right. There might be you know a couple of strains in there that might. Um, not be dominant that year, and there might be other strains that become dominant, so they might miss those. So that's why the efficacy is um, kind of it changes every year, and yeah, they try their best to to uh, predict which strains are going to be in circulation that year and include those in the vaccine. But yeah, it's never a hundred percent. I was sort of reminded of the you know the COVID testing kits. Um, Mm. When, Vera, you were talking about, you know, whether or not people would know if they administered them correctly, especially since they both had to do with sticking things in your nose. Um, And I know that, you know, I'm sure we've all done those um, COVID Mm. tests. Um, I got to tell you, I I do not have needle phobia. I Mm. would much prefer having a needle in my arm than sticking something up my nose. I hate that sensation. I'm probably (laughs) not like the the average. You know, I I think Uh most people would actually. I think everyone has different preferences. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think any uh, you know any new method of. uh, um, I guess drug administration. Drug administration um, yeah. that could, you know, get get more people to take. We already have the flu shot, so um, mm-hmm. that is absolutely crucial for people who are are, are scared of of, of needles. Um, and it also makes me wonder, like, why some medications or or um, vaccines can be administered um, either, I guess, up your nose or orally. Um, like what, like what, this is more of a question. I'm not sure if you have the answer, but um, how were they able to do this? Because I know previously flu shots were just shots. So what did they do to make it, um, you know, be a nasal spray? Yeah, I'm not a drug formulation scientist. (laughs) So, um, but uh, definitely uh, it's about, yeah, people who work in drug formulation. I think maybe we can get somebody on the show to to talk about um, the different modes, I guess, um, of administration that are possible with vaccines. And um, yeah, that's a good question. But uh, I think there's definitely um, to do with the formulation, the stability. and all of those kinds of things that come into play when um, developing uh, vaccines and how, how to package them, essentially. And um, I wonder if, uh, actually, for the COVID vaccines, they were also talking about developing uh, nasal spray versions, I remember, at one point. Yeah. So hmm. uh, definitely and a possibility. Do you think um, they should still be called vaccines? Because um, I always associate vaccines with, with the, um, needle, the eh? jab, but yeah. I don't yeah. know if the two are mutually exclusive. No, I don't think that's that constitutes. Uh, it, it doesn't. It doesn't constitute at all. Um, yeah, a vaccine the, the, is something that like triggers an immune response, exactly against okay. like a foreign um, pathogen. Yeah. yeah. So uh, if you you know the definition of a vaccine is that 
as Vera was saying, it activates your immune system to, or it primes your immune system to uh, recognize a pathogen. So it gives you a small dose of a virus or a bacteria. Uh, your immune system recognizes it and it builds up antibodies and defenses, immune defenses against it. So that when it sees the real thing, um, in, in, or it sees, the, or it sees it again in the future, of course, at a higher dose and much more like the real thing, because these vaccines usually have the virus either weakened or just giving you a part of it, a part of a, a, a small portion of a protein of it, or giving you the mRNA of it. So you're not getting the full-fledged uh, pathogen, but you're, it's enough to pr uh, prime your immune system to build up those defenses so that when it sees it in the future, the real thing, the whole thing, um, it's going to be ready to fight it. So the root of an administration um, doesn't define like what a vaccine is, but that's a very interesting point because I think it's such a common perception that a vaccine is so uh, deeply associated with a needle, right? That's very interesting. Mm -hmm. and, and I, I think as, yeah. I think people take take the risk a bit more seriously of, of having a needle rather than like a nasal spray or, or even a pill, like right? a pill, exactly. Yeah. Even though yeah. that that's sort of maybe a psychological thing. I just I think, think so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So maybe, you know, this could sort of, if more um, vaccines could be administered in uh, different ways, maybe it would be an, uh, one less barrier for people mm -hmm. um, to, uh, to, to take them. Yeah, that is such a good point because there is something about people and perceptions around injecting something versus just taking something orally or up the nose, yeah. which is, it's a very psychological thing. And for some reason, um, well, if you think, I mean, they're, they're all invasive. Yes. Uh, a, yeah. a needle going into your muscle, uh, it's pretty invasive, but how is that any less invasive than sticking something up your nose or ingesting something, right? Or how is that any more invasive, a needle? But yeah, that's that's a very interesting point. And um, just having more options in uh, for administration, I think definitely uh, would help in um, addressing some of the barriers there, whether it's needle phobia or just a perception of needles and vaccines. Looking to save time in the lab? At Gilson, we understand the pace of scientific discovery is moving faster than ever. That's why we offer a range of automated solutions, each designed with your experiment in mind and to save you time. From sample transfer to automated pipetting with PipetMax, Gilson has a solution for your application. Our dedicated worldwide customer support team is ready to help you get started. Whether that means setting up your pre-configured system or helping you write your own methods, Gilson is here to help. We work with you to find the right solution for your application and ensure the reliability of your data. Interested in learning how automation can boost your lab's productivity? Head to go.gilson.com automation to learn more or speak to an expert. That's go.gilson.com automation. Okay, great conversation there on uh, the nasal spray version of a uh, flu vaccine. And speaking of vaccines, uh, I want to talk about another one, and this is uh, about RSV vaccination. So this year, as we all know, a uh, very landmark year where we had approval of not one, but 
two RSV vaccines, and they're the very first vaccines to be approved. So uh, pretty monumental. And one of, uh, well, the very first vaccine to be approved for RSV, which is respiratory syncytial virus, um, was from Glasgow Smith Klein. So GSK's Erexv was approved in May of this year. Um, and it's only approved for adults 60 years of age and older. And, and I know that they're seeking um, approval um, in other age groups as well. So to kickstart um, its campaign, its vaccination, RSV vaccination campaign this fall, um, GSK has been busy marketing Erexv and uh, its latest ad campaign features um, Hockey Hall of Famer, hockey legend Wayne Gretzky. And so GSK is not only roped in um, 60-year-old Wayne Gretzky, but also a younger a younger version of himself as well in this TV ad. So the 30-second video ad features a young AI-generated Wayne Gretzky uh, uh, cautioning his older self today about the dangers of RSV, particularly for older adults. So... I'm sorry, Wayne Gretzky is now 62 years old. So it has the ad features Wayne Gretzky looking into a mirror and seeing his younger self, specifically, again, uh, an AI-generated 20-year-old version of himself. And in the ad, uh, Gretzky Jr. is seeing, talking to Gretzky Sr., asking about how they did in the big leagues, to which Gretzky Sr. replied with a laugh, we did pretty good, we did okay. <laughs> And so the young uh, Wayne Gretzky is seen advising um, older Wayne Gretzky that he did a good job taking care of them, but that can't stop now. And he says that RSV can not only affect kids, but it can also seriously impact older people as well. Uh, and so he's seen telling Gretzky Sr. Uh, to protect against RSV and to get your shot. So uh, this ad is actually from GSK Canada uh, specifically. And so, you know, they wanted to uh, rope in somebody who is, is easily recognized by Canadians and uh, is in the age group that they were targeting as well. So uh, Wayne Gretzky immediately came to mind, uh, they said, and they were they were very pleased to partner with him on this campaign uh, of course, knowing the impact that he's made on Canadians throughout his career. And it's really great to see him in an ad uh, trying to help Canadians in other ways now. And uh, so GSK Canada said that the uh, creative concept comes from the idea of wishing you could give your younger self advice and flipping that on its head by featuring a conversation between uh, Gretzky and his younger self. And uh, so the younger self is seeing... Uh, sharing information about RSV and uh, RSV vaccination. And GSK, uh, again, I think one of the first ads that it launched for its RSV vaccine featured uh, another sports legend, and that was Magic Johnson, basketball le legend Magic Johnson, who was featured in the ad raising awareness about RSV. And that ad was launched right on the heels of the FDA approval of RxV. Uh, so yeah, I just wanted to get your thoughts if you've seen this ad at all. And I think Vera, when I sent her the story, she's like, AI is taking over <laughs> like everywhere. And it's like, yeah, 
you were definitely seeing it. And um, yeah, I just wanted to get your thoughts about, have you thought about RSV vaccination and have you heard about um, the approvals of the very first vaccines this year and how that was uh, definitely a very landmark um, news. And uh, yeah, would you consider getting vaccinated against RSV, even though, of course, right now, um, RxV is only approved for older adults, but just like with the flu and other respiratory viruses, uh, RSV is uh, can cause serious complications in young children, older adults, people who are immunocompromised, and even in other adults. You just never know how these viruses may affect you. So just wanted to get your thoughts on, on this. Yeah, I thought I haven't thought about RSV vaccination because, like you said, it's only approved for older adults. Um, I think it is something I would mention to my parents. But other than that, I haven't even heard that much about RSV. I, I think yeah, yeah. maybe people catch it and they just they think it's like the, the it's flu. It's the flu. That's what it is. Yeah. Now, like a specific type of flu, right? Right, but it's not. It's different from influenza. So it's the virus different. that causes flu, right? But the um, symptoms they, are similar. They they could be similar, yeah. And okay. I think that's what it is. I think, you know, during flu season, you have multiple uh, respiratory viruses circulating and causing flu-like, cold-like symptoms. And I think they're everyone just assumed that everything is just the flu, right? Well, people were assuming that with COVID too. <laughs> it's just the flu. But now you hear people, like I hear people myself saying, oh, you know, my kid was sick or I was sick and it was RSV. So definitely. Oh, really? And, yeah. And like now you can get tested. and there. But yeah, before it was just chalked up to everything's the flu. Right. So I think there's a lot more awareness now, like, about differentiating between the different viruses, um, which I think is going to be definitely useful, and I think it's important. So, yeah, it, it's strange. I think COVID did change uh, things on in the, la- like, uh, in the landscape of respiratory viruses. It's kind of like, um, so I think that's why RSV was probably, uh, is being highlighted more so now. But um, I, Aisha, do you know yeah. how does one go about determining, like, if, if they have RSV or the You can take a test. Yeah, just like a COVID test. Um, and, like, you never used to get tested for influenza either, right? So no, it was no. just a thing. Oh, it looks like a virus. Okay, you know. And that, yeah. that was it. You were on your way. Like, you just get some rest. And Well, I mean, for, for viruses anyway, like, there's no treatment per se and uh, I mean you have antivirals but they're prescribed in certain cases but yeah I don't think in the past there was not much of a focus on like differentiating between different respiratory viruses but now with COVID I think that really did change things. I also want to talk a little bit about some logistical flaws in that commercial. Well, I love the, <laughs> the AI. idea. Let's talk I about love, the AI. Yeah, kind of creepy. Um, yeah. You know, I like with AI, I mean, I, I feel like I've seen a few films or, or TV shows in which um, AI has been used more for voice rather than generating like a person. Um, but what I appreciate about this, at least, is that Wayne Gretzky is still like alive and could sign off on it because oftentimes it's used to replicate or, you know, uh, Mm. someone's voice who's passed away already. Mm -hmm. So at least there's no, like, ethical concerns with this one. Like, he was alive. Like, he, he, he thumbsed up it. Gave consent. Exactly. He gave consent. But 
why would um, they do this whole like warning the younger self thing if this vaccine wasn't even approved for younger the younger demographic yet? No, it's basically the younger self warning the older self for some reason. Usually it's like an old... That was usually the twist. The twist, yeah. Oh. Usually it's like... They ask an older person <laughs> what they would tell their younger self, right? But here you have the younger self telling the older self. It's it's flipped on its Okay. There. Yeah. Well, you know what? Had I watched the commercial, I probably wouldn't have yeah. had that question. But okay, that's okay. Then no more flaw, no more logistical flaw. But um <laughs> But it is kind of, you know, interesting. Yeah, unexpected, because yeah. unexpected, yeah. It's like usually it's the older you know, people imparting wisdom and wishing they could tell their younger self stuff. But here you have the younger dude being like, did you get your vaccine? <laughs> right. It's less of a warning and more of like a, well, awareness you should do this. Yeah, don't just forget. Yeah, don't forget. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. What do you guys think of the choice of the spokesperson for Wayne Canada? Russ. Yeah. Russ. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think it was a no brainer. I and mean, it's yeah. like cool like they that they got him because... Mm-hmm. My God! Like someone besides Justin Bieber, Bieber. (laughs) I don't know. I also don't think Justin Bieber would would fit the demographic. Yeah, they can make an AI older version, older version version of of him. him. Yeah, that's what they. No, I, I, I think Canada. In you know, we have a plethora of like very well regarded and and good reputate like reputable athletes or just you know people in general and I think Wayne Gretzky like fits the bill perfectly I think we all respect him as a country Mm -hmm. and would respect his his opinion and yes you know any sort of sponsorship or or commercial like yeah you're getting paid for it of course like as as if as in anything but Mm -hmm. he um I don't know I don't I don't get the sense that he's just in it for 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 the money sort of thing I think he's not a sellout like I I think he was he was an excellent choice I agree. And I think, you know, you don't see he's pretty low key. You don't see him mm. around so much, you know. So he doesn't he doesn't come across to me as a type who's like so into, you know, um, doing these things for money and, and, mm. and all of that. So I think, he, you know, for him, the choice was he probably had to think about it. And I think he made uh, the choice out of something maybe that was important to him uh, as well. And he saw something with the. Uh, uh, this campaign so yeah I think uh, it was a de- it's definitely a great partnership to see alright that's the end of this week's episode of the X-Talks Life Science Podcast if you liked today's show don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe thank you everyone and see you all next week bye, bye. bye. Thanks for listening to the X-Talks Life Science Podcast. If you enjoyed our discussions today, please share the episode with your friends and colleagues and be sure to subscribe in order to be notified when a new episode is released. To join in on the discussion, you can find X-Talks on social media, email podcast at xtalks.com or comment on the articles directly. Links are in the show description. Take a moment to join our community at xtalks.com to get access to everything we have to offer, including webinars, job listings, virtual meetings, articles, and more. The views and opinions expressed in the podcast are those of the speakers sharing them. They should not be taken as professional advice and do not necessarily reflect the policy or position Honeycomb Worldwide. For further information, email us at podcast at xtalks.com. 
Thanks for joining us and we'll see you next week.